Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to transform your whole life, all your life. We hope that you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Hey, Heart Church. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good to see everybody. Big welcome to everyone down in the overflow. Also awesome to see you here. You find us um, in the middle of a series. We know we've got people uh, with us today who perhaps don't normally come to this church or maybe even don't normally go to church. Uh, and, and don't worry. Uh, I, I think that, you know, even if you don't usually go to church, you're going to get something out of what I am going to share today. Our theme for the year is Behold, I've set before you an open door that no man can shut. It was some words that Jesus spoke and uh, it's what we're believing for as a church. But uh, we've also been looking at the fact that what happens with our open doors can depend on what happens behind closed doors. So over the last little while, we've been looking at foundations, the foundations of our life. We've been looking at order And we have, over the last couple of weeks, been looking at rhythm. So I know that you're thinking, what has that going to work? Well, don't worry. Uh, You're going to find out as we go along. Today, we're going to be looking at rewriting the rhythm. Rewriting the rhythm. And what that basically means is we're talking about, we're talking about habits. How can we make habits work for us? Um, So even Jesus had routines and customs that he observed. We can can read that in Luke chapter 4, verse 16, where it says of Jesus that he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. In other words, this was something that he did regularly. Um, Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And Mark 10 verse 1 says, Jesus then left that place And went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him. And as was his custom, he taught them. So a custom is a pattern of behaviour. It's something that is done regularly. And and that's why it's called, that's why it becomes a custom. And whether we understand it or not, consciously or or unconsciously, we all live to a rhythm in our lives. And, and a rhythm or, you know, habits, um, they will either work for us or work against us. Our, the things that we routinely do will either work for us or work against us. So I'm just going to hopefully just align your mind with what I'm trying to say. So we often think of, you know, um, 
habits as being bad, don't we? We, we often talk about bad habits. It's not often we talk about good habits and uh, I'm going to refer to them, but we're not, we're not here to just focus on bad habits. You know, habits can be good. We've, we've hinted at this before. For instance, if when you were learning to drive, um, if, you've, if you've learned to drive, uh, particularly a, a manual a gear car, then as you're learning how to operate the clutch and the gears and the brake, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, but there comes a point where if you drive regularly, you're not thinking about that stuff anymore because it becomes a habit. It just becomes something that you naturally do. It's like most of us, well, if you've had to tie your shoes today, you didn't have to, have to learn how to tie your shoes in order to tie you because you've learned that. Maybe riding a bike or swimming, you know, you, there, there's stuff that once you've learned them, you never forget them. It's a pattern of behaviour, even if you've not ridden a bike for a long time. Uh, you might be a bit wobbly at first, but you'd soon remember because you, you literally don't forget. So there are some habits. These, these habits really work for us. The benefits of having a, a right routine or rhythm, well, it'll help us to be more efficient. It will stop us procrastinating. It frees up time because we aren't trying to work out what the next step is. Routines can also benefit our mental health because when I've got a routine, I feel more in control, less overwhelmed. And when I do things as part of a routine, then it helps me to become good at things. We'll have a little look at that later on. But when I do things regularly, it helps me to become good at things. So we need, we need routines, but we need right routines. You know, I think many of us in this room will be familiar with the term practice makes perfect. Well, it's kind of true and it's kind of not true. Because practice only makes perfect if the, if the practice is perfect. If you're just repeating the wrong behaviour, you're going to learn the wrong thing. So you, you've got to, you've, you, you, the practice has to be perfect in order for practice to make perfect. Wrong routines, wrong rhythms are learned behaviour that lead to unintended or unwanted results. So that, I'm just going to help us. So I'm just going to talk about one thing, one thing that maybe a lot of us can relate to, but, but help us to understand uh, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say. So I don't know. I'm not talking about you guys. Uh, I'm talking about, or, or I'm not talking about down in the overflow. So I've got you. But I don't know, somewhere in our lives, we might be familiar with someone who's like always late. Like not here and stuff, but you know, like just out there. This is kind of more for the people who are listening in by podcast <laughs> later on. Like, you know, like, listen, every one of us, even those who like to keep time, you know, there are certain things in life that make us late. If there's been an accident, if the traffic's bad, if, if someone's unwell, then they're kind of universal 
excuses for being late, you know. And let's be honest, no one really wants to be the first one at the party. So I don't know why that's not cool to be the first one at the party, but it just uh, kind of isn't. So there are kind of times when it's okay to be late. Like, but most of the time, people who, who are late didn't intend to be late. So whether I'm punctual or whether I'm not, there are certain routines, certain rhythms that get me to that result. You understand? So um, I want to I say that people who are often late are optimistic people. You weren't expecting that, I can tell. <laughs> people who are late are optimistic people. They are... They're optimistic about how much they can do in the available time. They are optimistic about how long it will actually take them to get ready. They are optimistic about how long it will take them to get to where they are going. And they are optimistic about the fact that people won't mind waiting for them. So... There are, there are certain patterns that we go through because it's like you talk to a lot of people and they, they didn't intend to be late. They, you see, I've got to help us to understand that intending to be on time is not the same as being on time. But we tend to judge ourselves by our intentions and other people by their actions. If you've been stood in the rain waiting, the fact that you intended to be on time is not much good to me. Anyway, like I said, I'm not talking about anybody here. (laughs) I'm just talking about people out there. So five tips, five tips to help you be on time in the morning. I mean, this uh, this is free, guys. This is like just, this is coming to church. Five tips to get you. And what you've got to do is if you are someone who is uh, often late, now you've got to pretend that I'm not talking to you. So don't take notes. Don't put it on your phone. You've got to go back to the podcast later to listen to this because so you can just sit and look at people like I've got this together, but then quickly go to the podcast later and take down the notes. So firstly, uh, a good thing to do to help you is to actually, particularly in the morning, time your routine. Most of us have got timers on our uh, phones. Um, if you if you actually want to know how long it does take you to get ready, time yourself. I think you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised actually how long it does take you to get ready because that's the that's the figure that you need to know that you're working to. Once you know that, secondly, think backwards. What time do you have to be where you're going, and plan your travel. You know, I think that, you know, those of us who, in, who actually use diaries, you don't just plan your destination. A lot, a lot of us put the time in of where we need to be, but we don't plan how to get to where we need to be. So you need to also, where you put your time in for where you need to be, you need to put the travel time so that you can include that. Thirdly, have a bedtime. Especially on a weekday or a school night. So that you can have proper night's sleep and gain control over the snooze button. Fourthly, have an evening routine. 
This, this can just help you. Why? Why have an evening routine? Because you're taking pressure off the morning. You're setting yourself up so you have to make the least amount of decisions in the morning. So you pack your work bag, the school bag, you, you maybe make your lunch or your breakfast. Here's one. You decide what you're going to wear the night before. Then you can make sure it's ironed. You can make sure it's later. You're not running around like a crazy person looking for that top now that you wanted to wear for that outfit. Put your keys, your car keys, your wallet, your handbag in a place where you can easily find them. And then fifthly, embrace the wait. Often people who are late don't like to wait. Which is funny because they spend their lives making other people wait. But I don't want to talk about that too much. Because late people often want to maximise their productivity. And the fact that they get there, eat there early and they're hanging around now, they feel like they're wasting time. I could be doing this, I could be doing that. But the truth is you just need a shift in the way you think about it. Because actually, when you arrive on time, you're more relaxed and ultimately more productive and maximise your experience. So the point that I'm trying to make is that I'm never just late or I'm never just on time. I have a routine or habits or a rhythm that set me up to be on time or not. So just having the desire is not enough. I need to put things in place so that I can do it. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking to you. You see, first we make our habits, then our habits make us. First we make our habits, then our habits make us. And habits can be really, really good. They can be really positive and have a positive influence on on, on our lives and on our family life. You know, you can have daily habits, you can have monthly habits, and you can, you can have uh, yearly habits, you know? One of the things that can be, you know, like with my kids when they were younger, trying to get them, you know, to, to come uh, home and put their shoes in one place and go and, t- like the first thing you do is come in, remove uniform, put on play clothes, hang up uniform. That way, hopefully, we can guarantee that the items that came off will be there in the morning. Because we'd heard too many times that, you know, you, when, you, when your kids are coming to you and say, I can't find a shoe, or I can't find your tie. Well, it was on when you came in. Yes, someone's taken it. Like, like someone in the night has come and stolen a shoe. Someone's come and stolen a tie because that's what people do. So you've got to, you, you can go through the routines of t- doing daily things that are going to help take stress out of your life. And then there's some real fun things, you know, that you can set up that are customs, traditions, things that you do as a family. We're great believers in those things. You know, like when our kids were younger, uh, we used to um, uh, go on Christmas Eve. It was our thing. We went, to, we went on Christmas Eve uh, we got dressed up and went to see Santa at the co-op. And, uh, and uh, we went and queued and we went for a coffee. 
afterwards. And uh, in fact, sometimes what we used to do is like, I don't know why, the co-op always started their sale on Christmas Eve. So we went and spent money that we didn't have because we'd all spent all the money on Christmas uh, in, in, in the sales. But, that, you know, that I can tell you, I can tell you that this year on Christmas Eve, we're having gammon. My wife knows how to make gammon. How do I know we're having gammon? Well, because we always have gammon on Christmas Eve. It's become our custom. It's become our tradition. It's become our habit. That's what we do. That's why we, what we look forward to. And, and, you know, there are certain things, you know, like this kind of annoys me a bit, but my kids, uh, when they were growing up, all had stockings with their names on it and, uh, and gifts in it. And, uh, and you know, like, like all my kids are over 20 now and they still want the stocking with their name on it with gifts in it. I mean, what are you even doing? I'm like, every year I say, oh, why are you even bothering? I like, sound like Scrooge now. You know, why are you bothering with that? Um, and the mom plays along and, and, and does it all by. But because that, and they're going to do the same for their kids. Because there are some habits that are good. That are, and there are some things that, are cha- that change. You know, with the passing of time, just because you've done it doesn't mean you've got to do it forever. You know, we actually don't go and, 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 and see Santa at the co-op anymore. And, you know... That's because the co-op's not there and neither is Santa. But we've had to change. We've had to adjust. But the fact is that there are good habits, (coughs) routines, customs that you can put in place. They say it takes 21 days to form a habit. 21 days to form a habit. But maybe that's for something simple. But actually, in reality, probably around 66 days or even longer. And you know, they say it's better to, to, to look at the positive and not the negative. If, if you want to stop doing something, you don't focus on what you want to stop. You focus on what you want to start. Because if you're focusing on what you want to stop, you focused on the thing that you're trying to get rid of. And focusing on the thing that you're trying to get rid of means that that's just going to be always front and centre. So you... You focus on the new habit that you're trying to form. So it's like worry. Worry is a, a, a bad habit of negative thinking. Right? So to change that, you don't say, oh, I must stop worrying. I must stop worrying. I must stop worrying. Because all I'm, all I'm thinking about is worrying. The Bible actually helps us here. Philippians 4 Verses six to seven says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the centre of your life. We're not designed to worry. We're not designed to carry worry. But when you focus on the right thing, worry stops by itself. But you've got to be consistent. Tanda, can you pass me a bottle? This glass is the widest glass I've ever found. 
My hands are not big enough for that glass. Have you ever seen a glass that's so I, I, I frightened I'm going to drop it? It's huge. Goodness gracious. I was trying to like style it out, but it was like I was going to... Couldn't style it out any longer. I'll just go for the bottle. It's easier. So we have to be... The thing about change is that we've got to be consistent. We've got to be consistent. You've got to keep going. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we reap if we do not give up. Now that's the problem. We give up too quickly. That's why in a few weeks when people are setting their New Year's resolutions, they don't keep to their New Year's resolutions because they don't keep it up on the basis that it takes at least 21 days to form a habit, probably more around 66. You've got to keep going. You've got to be persistent. You've just got to keep going. Most of us do not give ourselves long enough to unravel ourselves from the power of an old habit. So I was trying to think, how, how do I illustrate the importance of consistency, rhythm, habit? So I've, uh, I've got um, a young protege here, a very wonderful Riley, if you'd like to just come and help us. <laughs> just styling it out, just looking awesome. And uh, I've, I've asked him to, to just come and help me. And um, Riley, uh, Riley's here to help me. And uh, those are awesome shoes, bro. Awesome shoes. And uh, he's just going to play something for us now. Thank you. Thank you, Riley. Awesome. Well done, man. Absolutely, absolutely killing it. That is amazing. So the thing is, Riley has just played that, played that so wonderfully. But of course, it doesn't have to stay that. It could also become this.
So you see, the, the, the thing is this, and I think, you know, like when, when, when we think of, of the possibility of us playing the piano, we kind of think of ourselves like doing this. But in order to get to that, we've got to start here. Just play again for me, Riley. Go on. One more time. Amazing. But you see, when I'm, when I'm starting out and I've got that in my mind, the thing is this, many of us, because we're not prepared to start with this, we don't make a start. And secondly, it's what happens between this and this is what happens in the gap. It's what happens here. This is, this is the hard work. This is the habit. This is the rhythm. This is the practice. This is behind closed doors. This is what, this is what happens because I'm not going to get from this to this overnight. I've got to work at it. You see, the thing is, we live in the microwave generation. We live in a generation where everyone wants everything quick. Just quick, quicker this, quicker that, quick. Some things are not, you, you can't, you're not gonna get it by speed. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take hard work. It's gonna take energy. It's gonna take persistence. It's gonna take consistency. But if I am prepared to start here and I just keep going, then I can end up with this. That was your cue, Stephen. I want to encourage somebody. Keep going for a minute. I want to encourage somebody. You've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. Don't give up. Don't rob yourself by stopping too soon. Don't, don't, don't tell yourself. Don't, don't come and, and compare yourself with this. Don't compare your chapter three with somebody else's chapter 20. That, they're in a different place. They're, they're, don't, I, don't, I don't see Riley getting disheartened by this. Riley, Riley isn't thinking, oh, well, I can't play with this, so forget it. Riley's going to keep going where he is and he's going to end up at this level. But, but the, the trouble with this is, well, I can't do that. Well, if you want to do this, you've got to put the work in to get here. This is, this, he is, Stephen's playing on a platform now because of hours playing on his own with no one to applaud, no one to say, well done. No one to say that was awesome. That is why he's here. We've got to be prepared to take what we've got, do it behind closed doors, stick at it, be persistent, and then we're going to take the journey from Riley to Stephen if we stick with it. Big round of applause for Riley. Thank you, Riley. Absolutely amazing.
It's true of any skill. It's true of any, any, any skill at all. We could, have had, we could have had football skills. We could have had tennis skills. We could have had any kind of ball skills because anything that you do, you know, you know we, we, we get, we're getting kids and young people these days who are getting incredibly frustrated because things don't happen quickly. Because they don't understand that you've just got to, you've just got to keep working at some stuff. And I don't care what you say. You know, we, 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 we could already have synthetic, synthesized sound already. We, we, but it's not the same. You could have computers playing it all and it would be probably perfect, but it wouldn't be because you haven't got heart in it. It's not the same. Because this kind of gift is not meant to just pass through a computer. It's, must, must, it's supposed to pass through a person and be released to a person who has put the time, energy and effort in in making it happen. And you need someone to help you. You need someone to say, get that. I remember when Joe, when Joe was, was um, uh, he's a bit of a tennis player, my, my um, uh, third born, but second son. And I remember going to watch him being coached at the tennis centre and he was getting frustrated because his ball always ended in the, in the wrong point of the, the um, court. And the coach was trying to get him to change the angle of his wrist when he hit the ball because the coach could see what the problem was. The real, the real problem was this though, that Joe felt comfortable with where his hand was because that was his practice. That had been his habit. That is what he was used to. But that delivered the wrong result. So he's now comfortable, but delivering the wrong result. The coach comes along and says, your, your wrist's at the wrong angle. You need to change the angle of your wrist. Now he's uncomfortable. Because now his wrist is not where it used to be. So it feels like it's not going to work. But when he hits the ball, it goes exactly where the coach said it was going to go. Now he's doing something that is uncomfortable, but it works. And now he's got to keep doing the thing that's uncomfortable until it's comfortable. And then when he's comfortable and it works, we're golden and we can move on to the next thing. You understand? We've got to be, if we're going to move forward, we've got to be prepared to be uncomfortable in order to be comfortable with the new habit, the new rhythm. I'm not going to go through uh, the, the scriptures, many of us in this room, even if you're not church, you'll understand of David, David and Goliath. You'll know the story of David and Goliath. What you might not know about David was that he was a harpist. And uh, he was uh, called upon because of his harp skills to play before the king. He got to play before the king because his ability, because of his ability to play the harp. He was good at what he did. That had been done privately in a place where nobody saw. In fact, the chances are that it was played on a hillside looking after sheep because that's what he used to do. Maybe it was like playing bar bar black sheep or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, and don't ever do that again, Mark. And then, um, but no one was there to applaud. No one was there to say, well done. But one day his diligence positioned him to play before the king. Because it was because he was good that he got that opportunity. Many of you will know, many of you will know the story of David and Goliath. 
Now, some preachers are going to tell you, oh, you know, when David threw that stone, then God just took hold of that stone and planted it in Goliath's head. I don't believe that. I do not believe. Do I believe God helped? Sure, I believe God helped. But I don't believe that God took hold of the stone. I just think that, that David was a crack shot. He was a crack shot. And in fact, if you, go and leave, if you go and read the story, you'll understand that someone was trying to put another man's armor on him and he felt uncomfortable. But he went to face his enemy doing what felt comfortable, what his habits had produced. He knew, I don't know how to use a sword. I don't know how to use a spear, but I do know how to use a slingshot. And I've used it with a lion and I've used it with a bear and I've succeeded there. So I'm gonna stick with what I know. I'm a crack shot with a sling. And he took Goliath out. You see, what happened there was some of us were so busy wanting God to do it for us but we're not prepared to put the work in. God used them because opportunity met preparation. Opportunity met preparation. Some of us, we, want, we miss our opportunity because we are not prepared. God wants us to be prepared. I'm sorry for those of you who are sitting around thinking God's gonna do it all for you. God isn't gonna do it all for you. There are some things that you can never do that only he can do and he will do them. But there are some things that you need to do and he will help you as you do them. David relied on skills that had been formed behind closed doors. It was his rhythms, his skills, his habits that had helped him and they helped him they helped him now. You see, when I work to a routine, when I work to a rhythm, it's like that silent something that is working internally to help me achieve what I need to achieve. You guys, we, we listen to the musicians today. And uh, they sounded great, awesome, loved, uh, loved the singing, loved the, the, the musicianship. But they were able to play what you heard because they were listening to something you couldn't hear. So they, many, some of you may have noticed they got in ears. Let me let you know what they were listening to as they played to you. This is what they were hearing as they played to you, what you were hearing. And this was playing to them so that they would play together. They would play something that it's, it was submitting to the rhythm that produced something beautiful. We didn't have someone standing up and saying, Darling, I am too creative to submit to the rhythm. I don't want to be contained by the rhythm. I don't want to be contained by the rhythm. Darling, I have too much creativity, too much flair. I just need the people to hear. You see, like, well, firstly, if you like that, you're not going to be playing on this platform. But secondly... If you've got people who are thinking like that, you're not gonna produce what they produced. Thanks guys, you can take it off now. This, that, it's that, 
that the rhythm, they, they, were op, they were playing to a rhythm. It was the rhythm that enabled them to produce something beautiful. That's, that's how God can help us. See, we read earlier that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I just find it interesting. You know, Jesus was the Son of God. And yet He knew. I mean, He was the Son of God. And He knew that there was something that He had to do often and regularly. He had to withdraw. He had to submit to a rhythm, to God's rhythm. There's a rhythm. If we want to live our life the best possible life, then we need to submit to the rhythm so that something beautiful is produced. You know, the Bible often points to, to mornings and evenings. You know, in the, when, we, when we're talking about the rhythms, you know, in order, in order to align ourselves with the heartbeat of God, I don't know, maybe, maybe just the natural rhythms of, of sunrise and sunset. Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my requests before you and wait expectantly. Psalm, 40, Psalm 141 verse 2 says, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. See, if we're going to walk to God's heartbeat, if, we're gonna, if our life is going to be set to His rhythm, then we're not going to be able to get away from prayer and from the Word of God. I know that we want something more incredible than that. We want some. Pro- we want an app. We want a computer program. We want. We want something else that's awesome, that's quick and easy. Give me something quick and easy. Don't give me something that I need to work at. But there are just some things that I've got to do. I don't know. You might. You might. You might be able to have a prayer app that prays twenty four hours a day. But you know what? That's not going to be like you praying. There's something about me praying that makes the difference. And I was thinking, you know, you know, like we, we, need, this, we need this rhythm in our life. I was, I was just thinking, you know, like most of us, most of us in the room have got a phone. Most of us in the room know we need to charge the phone. You, you put your phone on charge every day. And you put your phone on charge every day. Why? Because you understand that the only way that phone is going to work is if it's got power. And when it's not plugged into the power, it's using power and that power is diminishing. And so when the battery is running low, I need to plug it in again. I think some of us, we understand that more with the phone than we do with our own lives. We, We miss the fact that we also need to recharge spiritually. I don't know, this is a little bit crazy, but I was just thinking, you know, I'm just trying to help join the dots for some people. And I was just thinking, you know, I wonder what life, I wonder what your life might look like if you pray for 10 minutes a day, you know, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the evening or 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes a day, five minutes reading your Bible, five minutes praying. I don't know, it's just 10 minutes takes an hour to charge your phone. I mean, 10 minutes isn't a big deal. 10 minutes. It takes 66 
days to form a habit, to really establish a habit. And I was thinking about 1066. Work with me. It's just my way my crazy mind. I was thinking 1066, the Battle of Hastings, William the Conqueror. If you want to conquer in life, if you want to conquer in life, 1066, just 10 minutes a day for 66 days. I wonder what your life might be like because you'll have have established a habit, a rhythm in your life which will be a blessing and help you conquer. You see, it's about establishing God's rhythm at the center of my life. It's a bit like this. When I set God's rhythm, That is at the center of my being. So if there are other rhythms going on around me at work or at home, all crazy, all kinds of craziness, when God's rhythm is at the center of me with all that stuff going on. That's, that's at the center of my being. Thanks, Claire. I found it's easier to start a metronome than it is to, to stop it. So I've asked Claire to help. But you know what I'm saying? It's like God wants me to walk around with His peace at the center of my life, irrespective of what's going on around me see I'm talking about prayer and I'm talking about reading your Bible and maybe you know what if you don't usually go to church or you're not a Christian or you've never even thought about it you're thinking well I don't know that's a bit weird to me why would I want to do that well the reason why we want to do it is because we've understood that the cross the cross of Calvary the cross that Jesus Christ gave his life on. The cross gives me the chance to reset my life to the heartbeat of God. If you weren't here last week, then you won't have got this. But last week I was talking about the fact that if you're having a heart attack, then your heart either stops or actually it descends into a chaotic rhythm. That's what a heart attack is. Your heartbeat descends into a chaotic rhythm rhythm and what happens is the paramedics come along and they put the paddles on your chest and and actually correct the rhythm of your heart because the rhythm of your heart prior to that was producing death you were dying but when the rhythm is corrected now your rhythm is producing life what's true natural in the natural is true in the spiritual when it comes to the cross the cross resets your heart to the heartbeat of God the cross restores rhythm and saves your life I don't know who I'm talking to right now but I I want you to know that you do not have to live in chaos you do not have to stand by and watch your life descend into chaos because the cross has the power to not only transform your life but transform you from the inside out. The song that we have been singing is yes, Jesus loves me. Because at the end of the day, that's what we need to know. 
No matter what I've done, no matter where I've been, no matter what mistakes I've made, I need to understand that, that God loves me just for who I am. Every mistake I've made, the guilt, the shame, I don't have to carry that because the cross resets my life to God's heartbeat and God's heartbeat is yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've done it with, no, I don't care whether you've made a mistake or a million mistakes, yes, Jesus loves me. to the end of this message. We hope you've been both challenged and inspired. To stay up to date with everything going on in our church, go to heartchurch.co.uk.